Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Hello, all spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. I'm your host, journalist, author, researcher of weird things, Aaron Sagers. You can also catch me on 28 Days Haunted on Netflix and Paranormal Caught on Camera, now airing its sixth season on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus and the Max streaming service. And let's jump right into the episode and to the guest that we have today because I'm excited to have these guys back around. It's been a bit of time since we've done this officially, so it's a nice chat. And it's from the twist. We're talking comic books and a comic book yeah. from the twisted mind of the last podcast on the left, Henry Zabrowski and Marcus Parks, who also were behind DC Horror Presents Soul Plumber. And along with that is artist David Rubin and KJ Diaz and Ferran Delgado as a letterer. And the book is called Operation Sunshine, a four-part miniseries published by Dark Horse Comics. And one more before I bring these guys in, I feel like we should just read the synopsis, the official synopsis that was given to me. It's a uh, debuts October 11th and the book Operation Sunshine. The story revolves around a group of young alienated vampires known as bugs and their plot to steal a magical object from ancient monstrous vampires to turn themselves back to human. And along the way, they uncover a sprawling monster underground, a top secret plot run by the elder creatures, elite militant vampire slayers and madness beyond imagining blocking their path to humanity. And that is Operation Sunshine and the guests are Henry Zabrowski, Marcus Parks. Hey guys, madness beyond imagining. Beyond imagination, <laughs> man. Honestly, it's cool to hear them say it like that. Yeah, but yeah. It's a, it's actually it's a two four issue miniseries. So we're gonna come back. So it's like you see the first four, and then there's gonna be another four that like complete the story. But this is like a thing that I. So Marcus and I, when we started writing comic books together, we started working on Soul Plumber. Mm -hmm. That was Marcus's main idea. Yeah, that was my baby. That was his baby. Um, you can I don't know if you noticed, but the lead character in Soul Plumber was remarkably similar to Marcus. I that was an accident. I did not ask <laughs> John McCrae to draw the main character as me, but I, I wanted to like I wanted to do like a big dumb gonzo story like in the style of like frank kennenlauter where it's just go 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 all the time gross shit weird shit violent shit like a little bit of john waters thrown in there oh yeah just a bunch of crazy shit all thrown at the wall and it's also it was our first comic uh and you know we didn't necessarily we had no fucking clue what we were doing so something that was a little more in the vein of like what we've been used to doing together for so long, which oh, is yeah. more gonzo shit, which is I more were... like crazy shit going towards the wall. 
like we wanted to more you know have something in the vein of what we were already used to but like operation sunshine this is henry's baby and it's definitely different it's a different tone without a doubt it's really we're doing it together because i just added but so plumber was like adding like my own sketch groups kind of vibe like from back in the day i was in a sketch group called murder fist and adding that super what i view as it's like splatter comedy it's kind yeah. of what we brought to this comic book. But with Operation Sunshine, um, this was like, it started really as like a, 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 these characters kind of just like showed up to me. And I've never had that before. I've heard writers talk about that. And I always thought, honestly, that they were full of shit. You know, I mean, like, right, you know, and then all of a sudden, we enough time and spent like writing and reading comic books, different other stuff, like exploring around that, like, all of a sudden, this main character, Hex, like, popped up in front of me i was walking down the street one day and i just like kind of had this idea about like you know with vampires they're always like intergenerational money they're always like fucking they're rich as hell they always got land they're landed they got castles there was like council like that side of it or like you know now in the blade universe you kind of have that other side where it's like you know they're kind of more but they're still kind of like these crazy over the top, like most of the time they look like, they all always look like millionaires. And yeah. I started thinking about like, well, what happens? Like, cause I was thinking about myself. Cause if you live long enough, you run out of fucking money, right? Like that's going to be the worst part of when we live to 200. It, it's, it's something I liked about this character hex right off the bat, because I've always thought like same, same as you, that all of the, or a lot of the vampires we see are either, sort of the Nosferatu type and overly monstrous, or they're definitely super wealthy. But there's got to be bad vampires out there that are just not, that don't have the life skills or afterlife skills to, yeah. like, invest and and make cash and set it aside and really are prepped for, I, I mean, I, I'm honestly not even prepped for 50 years on this life, and, I, and I'm not there yet, <laughs> yeah. much, much less, like, 350 years like Hex. We're screwed. And honestly, yeah, if you're living in America, no matter whether you're a supernatural creature or not, you're going to probably have to pay rent. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to have to figure out a way to live. And so I saw a kid on the street. There's something happening. Like, it connected. And all of a sudden, it was like a street kid. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, thinking about, like, what if there was a way to sort of insert this idea that there are classes in this world? That there's vampires and there are classes of vampires. And then... I began this idea was like, what is being a vampire? Like, what is it to be turned to a vampire? And they start like, like it's actually it's kind of like a bloodborne illness in many ways, which is not a unique thought in the world of vampires. But I also sort of think was well, like, but I bet you that even within their own worlds, they must judge their classes amongst themselves. So we realized like, so what if you if a vampire that is like OG, what we call these like the um, original vampires, OVs that are essentially like aliens that like live on this planet and have been a part of humankind since for a long time and kind of fed off us off us. We kind of insinuate that there's some kind of truce that we've allowed them to sort of exist on this planet for some reason. But what if when they turn a human, because it's still an aspect of the vampire lore, like what if you just get what we call the shit end of the steak where you like, yeah. you get all the garbage, mm -hmm. you get all the, 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 what is truly difficult about being a vampire, which is you are allergic to sunlight, you must drink blood or you fucking die or you or and then you also have no superpowers you're just what what is now they call within their own world a bug yeah yeah, yeah. well before i want to move forward with the book but i want to backtrack just a little bit because i know 
I know you guys are comic book nerds. Marcus, like you're the kind of nerd that can actually cite comic book issues, I believe, if yeah. I remember. And uh, and I'm like I'm global comic book nerd, but I don't have that skill to say like you know outside of like Amazing Fantasy, you know, fifteen or whatever. I can't name the individual comics. So I know you guys are comic book nerds, but what about like the va- your vampire origin stories? What were the the early vampire flicks or comics or books that you think kind of molded you and then kind of set the stage to get here. Marcus, you want to start with that? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the first, the, the first vampire movie I really remembered loving was from dust till dawn. Uh, that, and I don't know if that really like plays into it a whole lot, but it does sort of play into the idea of there being these like dangerous hives of vampires, you know, that aren't necessarily like known. They're just kind of off the grid. Cause we definitely get into the book of like off the, like how do vampires survive like off the grid? Uh, and I love the idea when, like from Dust Till Dawn, like, you know, the first half is incredible. Second half, you know, Harvey Cartel vam- uh, werewolf isn't like the best choice, uh, but- I like it. Uh, I know you I, like, I like, like we've had yeah. we've had arguments about like Harvey Keitel vampire. Um but uh the idea that you know there's there are these like vampire traps, like these honey traps, where they pull in people that otherwise, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, on the radar and just slaughter them. Like not like not after night, like there's just a slaughter. Um, but that was for me like the very first like vampire book that I really read, and of course the or the first vampire movie that I really loved. But of course, you know, like I don't know if you can see over here, like I've got a framed poster of Preacher on the wall. Like Preacher is my favorite series like ever. Like when it comes to comic books, it's one of my favorite pieces of media ever. It was a, a, of course a big influence on Soul Plumber and the sort of gonzo like violent humor uh, in that book. Uh, but yeah, Cassidy, like Cassidy's such an, an amazing character yeah. uh, as far as like being like a regular, like a, a, a vampire, like a regular dude who's kind of a coward, who is not a good person, you know, just happens to be a vampire, you know, like not all of them, like Henry said, not all of them are going to be Lestat, you know, no. not all of them are going to be like, you know, Dracula, like sometimes it's going to be a shitty dude and yeah. he's going to do shitty things with his powers, you know, with the things that he has. Uh, and that, that for me, like, those are, that like, Cassidy's, like, my number one vampire. Hmm. See, I, like, my thing is, I've always loved from afar, right? I'm a phantom of the opera head. I love vampire, all vampires. I think my favorite probably vampire of all time is Nosferatu, just because, and it's the it's the fucking, uh, the Werner Herzog. Nosferatu. I love yeah. that movie. Right? Mm. But this move, this whole book, really, I was like, number one, I knew. I was like, well, if we try to cover any, if we try to create unique vampire lore, we're, we're not going to. There's so much vampire content everywhere. You know what I mean? There's so much people talking about vampires. So I was like, that's not really what it was. It was like, it was the movie Near Dark. Somewhere around, like, I want to say it was like two years ago. It had just gotten back on Shudder. Like, I forgot, I feel like it didn't have distribution for a while. Like, I couldn't find it anywhere. Like, it was like, it was a thing, because I believe they just, they had like just released it to DVD. Yeah, it was, it was one of those flicks that amongst horror fans, people knew it, but it seemed like it maybe didn't entirely fade from the public consciousness, but it kind of went underground for a bit. 
And then I think by enough chatter from the nerds, it kind of reemerged. Yeah, yeah. And, it's one of those I, movies like Hardware that like yeah, all that are sudden, that were yeah. absolutely incredible, but then yeah. you know just, just kind of disappear for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And so that's why what I realized was like I was watching Near Dark, and something came up to me like this just under because like, it's not a, like Near Dark doesn't add the vampire lore, right? It's it's just like you kind of see what if vampires were people. Right. It's this beautiful, like, it's this, like, fucked up family. And that was a thing that I, I started to think about, which is being like, oh, like, this isn't, it's about, like, this group of bugs that, like, in their way, because they used to be quote unquote people, like, they still are. Like, these OVs, the stuff that create them, the stuff that's outside of them, are like, they are truly alien, separate from us, and have waned in power. Like, they're at the kind of at an end of, of a long series of just letting themselves waste away and they just don't really care. And they're just, they're kind of just doing the billionaire thing where they just kind of circle the wagons and they just kind of let shit go and they don't care anymore, but they don't, you know, they've just caused so much damage for so long, for so for, for such a long period of time that you like, they just forget that they've like created this whole like army of people that are just kind of bereft and walking around. And so I feel like that was like the thing that like, hit me like it's being like oh find a humanity in a vampire character what do they want and then more about like what do i want what do what, what do people want they want a sense of freedom they want a sense of like there's something encapsulating this idea of like i'm being kept down by a system that i just got fucking thrown in right like i am yeah i i i, I this happened to me like I got turned into this shit. I'm this thing now. And now I got to deal with it all the time. Thanks to all these other fucks. It's just like putting to sort of like a, like, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, I don't get too into the idea of commentary on, on like classism or whatever, but it's like this ideal of they are like, they just want out of this bullshit that they were thrown in. And then they get this like golden opportunity. And so to me, as we started writing the book, it's like, we're just going to let these characters go. And that's kind of like what I do now in my, when we sit and we talk about the show and we talk about when we were writing the book, we sit and talk about like, well, what would Anwar do right now? So like, you know, they're being helped by this group of bugs and a CIA guy that went rogue who was hiding, hunting vampires after the truce. Like they let him go. And so he's just hunting all these vampires after the truce out of his own personal vendetta. And they got mixed together with another dude named Steven Wobang, who is an IT guy, who is just, again, just some idiot. Yeah, he's just some dude that thing. only been a vampire for like six months. He's trying to figure out on his own. But there is still like kind of a, a network of people like online that are like, hey, we're vampires. What the what the fuck do we do with this? Like, yeah. how do we survive? Yeah, because yeah, they were, of course they would go on the Internet. Right, like they would talk and they would make groups on the internet. There would be subreddits in a, in their own way, and so that's kind of what he created. And then you have Hex, who's like 350 years old, but she's 15, and yeah. so it's writing for a character that is still actually mentally 15 years old, but has seen 350 years of history. So I've I've only read the first issue. That's all I've gotten so far. So the we haven't introduced any CIA characters yet that we know of. We've uh, met. So the, sorry, I guess I should. I, I, spoiler. It, it's okay. I, I mean, it's kind of alluded to, but we meet the Hex, the the kind of the primary uh, protagonist, and then Steve, the IT guy. What I like about Steve is that, yeah, like this guy is just uh, this schlub, really. Like he's you know in his thirties, forties, or whatever, 
he's not really equipped to do this. He's he's not even really probably all that good at being an IT guy. No. But, you know, he's now got to work a job to make money to pay rent, but also now he's undead and has to, like, don gear uh, head to toe to avoid the sunlight. Um, yeah. I, I, I like these characters. We also have this Anwar guy that shows up that's very dark shadowy uh yes. you know it seems like an homage to dark shadows and and bella lugosi talk a yes. little bit about that dude and sort of where he fits into this because he is the these are the closest to the aerostatic va- vampires yeah. that we get in this first issue i gotta Don't say work. i yeah yeah i love writing anwar's dialogue more than any other dialogue i've ever enjoyed writing i love writing for anwar it's just that this soap such over the top like extreme extraordinarily pretentious like He's wants so full of to himself. tell so full of himself always wants to tell you how big his vocabulary is and and he has and he's playing these little games within games but he's making but he's nowhere near as good at playing the games as he thinks he is uh he's, he's just he's I, I love this character that henry created i love amor i love write his dialogue as he develops you're going to see that not all that what it seems is real, right? So yes. he arrives as this very impressive, quote unquote, impressive, scary presence, right? And as you will see, like, you're going to see why he is putting himself in this position to try to defy his own family because he's the guy on the inside. He's the guy that is giving these people this information saying, there is this thing called what we in our parlance is this onyx object. It is essentially some form of mass, just uh, weapon of mass destruction mm-hmm. that can only affect vampires. But it has all these other kind of effects. And one of these things is I can do something within my world because he's like, how do you put it? He's a magical scientist. In his in the world of OVs, they kind of have a more of a connection to sort of like the creative matters of the planet and some of them have more some people they they go in different directions but like anwar gobin is a student of his own history he's a student of ov history and so has developed his skills over time but he's also in way over his fucking head and he's kind of somewhere i can kind of position him it's like because it starts that's when it starts to kick into the heist where he's gonna give them the thing being like okay the key here is is that y'all gotta steal this thing to keep me out of it because then you're going to give it to me and I'm going to flip this whole thing on its head. But you know, we're going to, it's going to take some time. We have to figure out how to get in there, but then you're going to realize like, as the book goes, there's more twists, there's more turns, there's more betrayals. There's more like what in the fuck is happening. There's more like, because you know, Anwar is not in there alone. You do meet Marina in the very first issue too. And we'd like, cause you don't know who the fuck, marina is right you just know marina is some bad person that's out there waiting that's like somehow more dangerous than this crazy man who just showed up and then you'll start to see why and well you well you'd start to see that like you know in everything there's a there's a bottom to the top and there's or there's a top to the bottom and a bottom to the top uh and that's what i'll say about amor the i what i i i like a couple things a couple other things about anwar is that it it reads as if the dialogue would be fun to write for him because it's kind of right like thinking about when you're a kid and you're doing your Bella Lugosi vampire talk 
Except yeah. now you're able to do it a little bit better and uh, <laughs> it, it, with more of a vocabulary yourselves to do it. So he just seems like this kind of pretentious prick. He, he kind of reminds me of, um, you know, I said the visually kind of looks like the Dark Shadows, the Barnabas, but he reminds me character wise of uh, like Ed Norton's character in Glass Onion. That is, this guy that seems very smart mm-hmm. and people are buying into his act because he's old he's he's clearly wealthy or whatever but also he's probably not as bright as as he would have everyone else believe uh well, yeah. he's not he's definitely not as important as he would make people believe. yeah like yeah the, again, the key word is affectation because also within there again which is like i think it's one of the things you just sort of apply now like as I get older, you understand a little bit more about things are just never black and white like, yeah. ever. So even within his own family, you know, you don't necessarily, he's not maybe the favorite son of a group of people. You know what I mean? Like you find out like why he's not, you know, like all this kind of shit where he's like, everybody's got an agenda. Like the one thing about this story that I was just trying to do is that idea of like, everybody who's coming to the table has as agenda has an agenda that the other people aren't necessarily sure what everybody's agenda is. And so on some level, they kind of within their own unknown of each other, within their own unknowing of each other, they have to kind of trust each other. Well, and just like there's, there's gotta be vampires out there that are bad about being vampires uh, and investing and whatnot. There's gotta be sort of the, the idiot cousin of, of every vampire clan that i mean he might see try to portray himself as a glam kind of rock star or whatever to the mortal world but everybody's like this dumbass like god like we can't give him a task there is always a fredo yeah yes there's always a fredo and this is he is you'll we'll find i don't want to reveal too much because i like that was like that was the thing about the first book is that like i the first issue it's like i'm excited people to read the first issue but i hope that they it's like you gotta hang on because it's gonna just like the what we're doing is it's going to unfold in that because like a heist movie because that was also the second half of this it's like all right now we got characters on a heist what's a heist movie you know what i mean gotta get the crew together you gotta get your plan together you gotta set it all up and then you gotta fuck it up so it's like that's kind of what we're starting to get into you're gonna see kind of how it goes well, I know that with Soul Plumber, we talked a little bit about like this was your you guys' first foray in a, into writing comics. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're kind of checking in with them and also learning how to format this stuff and oh, yeah. actually write a comic book. So now with this project, you feel like you're a little further down that that kind of path of growing. Like, do you feel like you've you've kind of figured out a little bit more, earned your chops about the comic book? creation barely barely <laughs> people Bare, do this for like, fucking decades so yeah. we just this one at least you know what is nice about this one is that it's just it has taken much longer to write we're taking more time piecing together these scenes right we're piecing it together we're doing we're thinking writing coming apart put it back together like we've been doing that a lot and so yeah it's actually i'm do literally the process really is is like this is one of these we're learning on the job like how we go how do we figure this out how do we like how do we get emotional mm-hmm. like how do we build real characters how do we build people that like the audience is actually going to give a shit about well you know like that, that, we're that's also, what i want 
Yeah. And we're also learning more about just like composition, you know, how to not yes. fill a page with just word balloons. Uh, Poor and John how... McRae. When, when I put <laughs> this sentence, construction crews are tearing apart the Sistine Chapel. John McRae wrote us an email just being like, you know what? I want to say thank you so much. Just from Soul Plumber. He was like, I want to say thank you that you think that I can do this. <laughs> um, but this is the craziest shit I've ever. He's just like, that's just. I just want to let you know it's extremely difficult. And we're like, that's right. I have yep. to remember you have to. There is a man on the other side of this, or lady that is still doing the drawing. Yeah, well, because yeah. it's easy to think like you're operating in the comic book medium, so you have no limitations and no budget. So you're Done. like, yeah, we could do whatever. True, but someone has to do it. Still, someone has to yes. bring that image yeah. to life. Uh, yeah. With the with Soul Plumber, you're also like. It was I would not call it fan service, but it certainly there was there was meat in there that fed yeah. the last podcast army, you know, the, the audience of the of last podcast. So with this one was sort of the mission to say, OK, so look, we did that. Now we're just like we don't have to feed into that anymore. Yeah, that is basically the goal. The goal is because Marcus and I fell in love with writing the comic book when we started writing. So we fell in like. I didn't realize how much I was going to fall in love with it. I knew that I wanted yeah. to do it as a, I was as a kid, but I never I, I never thought what it would feel like to do it. And then when you write something and you watch it come out and you 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 see kind of it, we're like, oh no, th this is something we really want to do. Yeah. And so yeah. now it's like, okay, let's do this so it can kind of live in other places, so we can live outside of the show, like it can live our, our show, it can live. Uh, and and we're gonna do more and more of that. That is now in terms yeah. of writing comic books. Our goal now is to sort of do more, just because, just again, absolutely love it. Just it's a it's yeah. a fun playground. Like it's it's such a fun thing to to play around with. But there is like you do throughout. Like you get kind of these conspiracy theory vibes through Operation Sunshine. Like oh, yeah. it, it seems like it pops yeah. up a little bit. Um, well, just the, the things we've learned, unfortunately, we yeah. can't, I can't pull them out. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I feel like now it's like, how do we do it to help an original story versus talking about historical context? Yeah. Cause like, and we also pulled like in like soul plumber, we pulled a ton of stuff mm -hmm. from episodes. Like we pulled from, you know, certain, like certain stories. And we also pulled like, you know, cult, we pulled the, uh, love will win cult, which is one. love is, uh, yes. the, love is one, the blue. Love is one, the blue lady. Like that was, mm -hmm. you know, the the cult and Soul Plumber was obviously inspired by that woman and that entire cult. Um, but this book is far more like just from our imaginations and like in a, a whole different world. And there isn't. It's like, of course, you know, it's informed by conspiracy and it's formed by you know these things that we know, but they're just informed by things that we know rather than being informed by stuff from the show. If that makes sense. I don't want to. I don't mean to throw this like curveball at you, but there was an actual Operation Sunshine, and it was during World War II, right? This Norwegian thing. Yeah, was there... there was like a small little operation, and then we wrote it. We're like, the thing is, is that they wouldn't know. I mean, the CIA guy wouldn't know. It was like a whole <laughs> thing. It was like it's an ancient thing, so it was just a cool name. Okay. Yeah, you know, I with all this weird shit that we do for our respective jobs, you know, looked a lot <laughs> into vampires and there are people out there in the world that and they might call them different things, but believe these vampiric forces are out there. 
have in your research and doing the podcast and all that good stuff. I don't know. Have you ever come across the, some sort of story where you're like, I don't know, maybe this, maybe there are these strange creatures out there, whether they're nocturnal or not, that are almost vampiric in nature. Well, it, you know, the thing is, is they, this story has been around a long time. Yeah. I feel it gets way more like, you know, what, what you, what we do in the shadows is doing it right. But the idea of like psychic vampires, Mm-hmm. I mean, like people that are like that's real. That is real. That is very real. <laughs> very real. Um, yeah, very, whether they are truly, whether they're supernatural beings or not, but they're yeah. truly people out there. They're psychic vampires that gain energy from draining it from you. They just drain you. I've been caught at way too many parties in the midst of a conversation that you want to leave. You gotta go. You're, you're too tired to like <laughs> peel yourself away. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of like I I believe in the concept of maybe something is real because people act that way. You know, the idea of a vampire, the idea mm-hmm. of somebody like, you know, we've covered it, we did cover it on last podcast for, you know, a long time ago, but it's, you know, the idea that like people that if you hadn't heard the story about Ed Gein, right? And then, you know, let's say you extrapolate that a thousand years from now, that's the story of a troll, right? Mm-hmm. Like an evil monster in the woods. I feel like it's that thing again. When you meet these people, these extremely dangerous people through time that like, and they, they get sort of a mythical status. I think that they, you, you, and then that the story about vampires and like watching your back at night and what, and doing well, be careful of like the seductive energy. Be careful of this thing. Something apparently, especially something that seems too good to be true. You know, you're getting pulled into something that you don't understand. That's kind of like the main through line of vampires. That is very like that's right on the money for serial killers. Yeah, and cultish people, serial killer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, and, it hel- and it helps people to like process this shit. You know, it helps you to process that you're like, no, it's not humans that are serial killers like it kind of helps you to process like oh no these these are supernatural beings that we can never understand and anyway these are kids stories like these are stories for kids i don't i don't need to believe in vampires these are things that we tell kids and it just it sort of helps you to i I think will helps people it helped people in the past way in the past before media even existed to process that monsters exist um but you know, but not, but not real monsters, just fake not ones real that monsters. we tell. Yeah, just fake. But monsters that we tell children are real, and we can tell ourselves that they're children's stories. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it easier to deal with. I mean, when you look back on, like, the, you know, werewolf murders and things like that, that it was just yeah. some really messed up guy. Well, it's easier to just say, well, that was a werewolf, kids. The uh, Not just a <laughs> human that decided to start eating other humans. Um, well, Because yeah. you never meet a werewolf, right? You'll never meet a werewolf, but they try to tell you to go or be afraid of the woods. That's always the thing. It's like you're be afraid of the woods, be afraid of the unknown. And then they use these stories to tell you. But the problem is, is that it's always just some guy. Yeah, it's always, it's always just some, some guy. guy. You don't even meet him. You don't even see him look like a monster, you, which is the traditional vampire. Well, you said, Henry, that like you didn't want to set out like by trying to add something to like the lore because there's so much out there. It's probably been done before. But I do. I don't know. I don't know if it has been done before, but something that struck me as pretty unique about this that I like is that these OVs, these original vampires, really are these like almost like Lovecraftian, H.R. Giger type of like ancient yeah. entities that they could be aliens, ancient aliens yes. or whatever on the planet. 
Yeah, I that's kind of like I thought it would be cool as a way to do something that would be like that. I like that idea. I did think it was vaguely unique, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I think that what I think so. I like the idea that they just have always been here. Yeah. You know, and we like because we've to you know unfortunately that probably is the last podcast thing that pops in there because it's the idea of like in many ways it's an ape of the concept of reptilian mm -hmm. you know you're making you're you're referencing the rep being a reptilian and you're saying like okay you're going to like you are uh they've always been here that's what they've always said that's the thing that they've been a part of our society they've been living underground and so but the idea of like at some point they like serve some kind of purpose Right, like, or they were, they came and they were some virus, and like maybe there was something else that came and 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 knocked them down to size, and then they left. It's like I also just like keeping things open, because then you also don't know what the whole history is going to revolve. Like you don't know what it's going to like. You don't really like, and then also I don't have to explain everything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I mean this this on, idea that like there's always been something like going on underneath. Like, like I love that idea. Like there was just a comic book. Like I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, not to just, you know, plug Dark Horse, but uh, Dark Horse put it out. Like, it just came out, like, a couple of months ago um, called All Eight Eyes. Mm -hmm. And it's a great book, and the art's incredible. But, yeah, it's the idea. It's this very fun idea of, like, New York is, New York City has always been full of gigantic spiders. And I nobody's <laughs> And there's, like, and there's a guy that comes across a gigantic spider, and there's this grizzled old man that said, I've been fighting gigantic spiders for 20 years. <laughs> and he's like, okay, now I guess I'm going to fight gigantic spiders in New York City now. And it's like set in 1996. It's a really cool book. I I'd recommend it. Uh, but I like I like that idea of like something like shit happening underneath the surface that the government keeps under control. But I also love like that in this book, it's like it's just local government keeping under control. It's like it's the sanitation department that's keeping everyone from hearing about gigantic vamp uh, gigantic spiders mm -hmm. in new york city well and that's actually before we wrap up i wanted to mention the setting um for operation sun sunshine we we at least start in new york city which i like because look i live in new york city and i know la gets a lot of vampire attention new orleans gets a ton of vampire attention mm -hmm. you know you might get some out in the southwest but aside from the odd you know story not a ton of vampire action in new york even though this is a place where I think vampires could could thrive. Uh, yeah, I, that's Marcus. We, Marcus was put because I did want to put yeah. it in L.A. and Marcus is like, no, New York. And I was like, yes, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, yeah. I really, I that that's I that was a deliberate thing of like you know because at the time you know I was still living in New York and I'd always wanted to write like a New York story, you know, even if it just starts in New York. But I'd always wanted to like write a New York story and set it in New York and set it in like actual locations uh, and, you know, make it where, you know, like they don't get from 82nd street to, you know, canal street in 10 minutes. Like, but there's actual problems here. And like, there's even like a fucking, there's in the second issue, like there's a scene in the cloisters, you know, like right, you know, North mm -hmm. of the Bronx. Uh, and it's just, I just wanted to like, it was almost like right before I left New York city, like there, I wanted to do like one more like little, like, See you later, guys. Yeah. Uh, and it was just also a cool idea to think that, like, New York, because New York City is also a place that's ripe, where it's it's ripe for secrets. Like, that's yes. what I love about New York City, is that, like, it is this place 
where it's so overwhelming that you feel like you see everything. And, you know, there's so much sensory input, no matter where you are in the city. But there is so much weird shit happening in New York at all times, everywhere, in every building that you walk past. Like, and I love that I love idea. It. And you can, and anything can be hidden anywhere. And there's, you know, there's still all these abandoned, like there's mole people still in New York. There's all yeah. these abandoned subway stations. There's all this abandoned shit where things can hide and things can happen. And that to me, like New York was like such a cool place to say like, you know, to, to show that like, yeah, there's a, of course, there's a vampire with a penthouse on 53rd and 5th. Like, yeah, like that's, yeah, of where course. Way goes. I've, honestly, yeah, of course. I met that guy. It's New York. You know what I mean? If there was a place, like, you know, it's one of those. It's kind of hacky, but it's real. Like, if there was a place where a vampire could hang out out loud in front of everybody and hide in plain sight, it's New York City. It's, know, like, it's, it's a place, and I can say this as someone that when I was driving back into the city today, I was gone for a while, and having to turn, avert my gaze to avoid seeing someone defecating on the street. It's a, yeah. it's a city where the residents are trained to look away. Yes. So, Brother, so, I'll tell you, it's no different in Los Angeles. dreams made of. Yeah. Now we got to pay for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Final question. I'm going to let you guys go, but uh, and you, I know you guys have kind of dipped in this a little bit on last podcast on left, but do you personally any where from from little baby Marcus, little baby Henry, were there what was like an urban legend, creepy old house at the end of the block, the crybaby bridge? What was your kind of baby urban legend that sticks with you? Well, when I grew up, I grew up in Queens in New York City. And you know, obviously I remember as a kid, we were all obsessed with like Bloody Mary. So we would <laughs> right. do Bloody Mary and blah, blah, blah. But there was a time period when I um there were during a, it was a very young boy. I'll always remember this. It's because there was a uh, a large influx of the Haitian community that had moved into like around our neighborhood, and with them they brought a lot of voodoo, voodoo, and, and, and their practices. And I remember going to their head. We had places you go to a bodega and you kind of see behind them they would have all of the sort of like all the accoutrement. They would be selling it openly. But I'll always remember when I was with my friend. I was in Forest Park in Queens. And we came across, we were like running around and it came across a bunch of police lines and we went under the police lines and we walked to a place that I saw two stumps that had been kind of laid down on either side. And it was this whole area that was just soaked in blood. Like I remember seeing it being this big patch of blood and I remember running home and and then my, my mom trying to sort of explain voodoo to me. Right, because they were getting a lot of these these communities were getting busted because of animal cruelty, doing these things out where animal cruelty were just like unsafe treatment, what they would call unsafe treatment of animals because they would use them in, in certain practices. And it was just like I remember that is just blazing in my mind. I think it's partially just why I am who I am today is just like mm -hmm. just seeing some seeing stuff like that and just being like it's everywhere. I was just playing basketball like right over there. And then this like ancient tradition is happening right here that like at first glance is scaring the shit out of me. Yeah. A bloodbath yeah. uh right near the basketball court. That'll that'll hook you early. It'll hook you. <laughs> yeah, that'll do the trick. Yeah. Marcus. Yeah. I had two. Like uh, and they were both created by family members, uh, very imaginative family members. The first was one that my grandfather told me about was uh, Gertrude the Witch. 
and he would go out like they were, you know, I grew up in, in small town, Texas. So there, there are abandoned houses everywhere. Like people just give up and they leave like, you know, fuck farming, fuck all this. I'm done. And they just abandoned. So up full of abandoned houses. And my grandfather had this one abandoned house that, you know, he would say like, that's where Gertrude lives. If you're bad, I'm going to send you to Gertrude. Gertrude's <laughs> going to get you. But the thing is, is that like, he went over the top with it. He like got way, he like, it got way too real for all the kids. So he had to kill Gertrude because we were all having nightmares. We were all fucked up about it. And so he took us out there and he pulled out a gun. He pulled out a 22 pistol <laughs> and he's like, all right, kids. Like, I mean, he's like, fuck, he's really playing as like kids. Like, wish me luck. Like, I don't know if I'm going to come back. Like if you you know just run for the house if you could if you know if this something happens I have never heard this story. This you've is never hilarious. heard the story. I no. thought I told you the story. No, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's like got kids like just you know just make sure that you know you get back to your parents and he like goes in the house like and he's like he's fucking doing he's doing a great job and he just walks in the house and we just hear like and he's of course just firing the gun into the ceiling and then he comes running out like as fast as he can. <laughs> <laughs> and he like gets in the world like ah uh and he gets that, in and he speeds off and he's like i got her kids she's done she's that gone. is insane you know the yeah. the final shot of that horror movie is gertrude being real either he's manifested yeah. gertrude exists in the real yeah. world that's yeah. fucked up man that's yeah uh, yeah the, the other one was one that my dad used to always say the uh he called it the guy anther uh the, <laughs> he said it was uh a, it was a, a lion with the head it had the head of a lion on one end and the head of a panther on the other end and he was so mean because he could never take a shit uh and you had to watch out for the guy anther when when you went out to the um you know into the pasture into the fields so because he'd eat you if he got you i wish I, there were, I mean my, there were panthers my, around but i wish mine wasn't trauma <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, at least yeah, all that, yeah. At least with Guy Anther, it also teaches you empathy towards the constipated. Like it's yeah. it serves <laughs> a purpose. No, <laughs> no, that's what you know what taught me was the age thirty seven. <laughs> taught me true respect for yeah. the constipated. Uh, but now uh, I'm thirty nine, feeling fine, buddy. I eat my colon blow every day. I, uh, I'm on my pre probiotics. Cold and blue. Cold and blue. I did not expect to end on a constipation note, but then hey, that's, that's why, just how these things go. Why else would we be here? Right, right. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Dude, thank you so much, man. Yeah, I, really I appreciate you. you guys. And uh, my guests are uh, Henry Zabrowski and Marcus Parks from the last podcast on the left and their new comic book, Operation Sunshine. Number one drops October 11th from Dark Horse Comics, and we love the folks over at Dark Horse. And that is it for me this episode. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this has been Talking Strange. Until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and 
youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content. Mm-hmm.